Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. Coming to you with bonus content this week. We are very excited. The D23 Expo just wrapped up. And I to tell you, we tried really hard to get there. We did. We've been D23 members for quite some time. It's definitely on our Disney bucket list to make it out to an expo. Uh, this year it just wasn't in the cards since we already have our Florida trip in the works. The insane thing is that physically getting to California is not what was prohibitive for us. It's that Expo was sold out, and in my mind, I thought they were going to do the night before, the morning of, some like bonus ticket blitz, and it just never came. No, no secret tickets. Right, but we know in 2021 we're going to be there. We've already committed to it. The capacity in which we're going to be there, the role that we play is TBD, and that's the most we can say about it, but we will be there in 2021. Um, I mean, look, D23 is one of the biggest events in the Disney universe, even though it only happens every other year. And I kind of like that it's an every other year thing, because I think that kind of keeps it special. It does. It definitely builds the anticipation. And I think what I love most about it is that all of these studio executives and bigwigs over at Disney and the Imagineers, they all just break down the walls, and it's like they're fans too. Yeah, they let their hair down. Totally, and they're so excited to share this news with the Disney community. So as you guys know, we are a film-centric podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We're happy to have you here. So we're going to touch on basically everything because there's just no way around it. I mean, they talk about so much in the Disney company, but we're going to be film-centric even still and try to tie things back around to the films, which in certain places is not going to be very hard to do, especially when we get to the parks end of this, which was like bombshell after bombshell. Um, but we're going to start with Disney+, Plus because that was the first big panel that they had. They started off with announcing a lot of television shows, kind of eased us into it yeah and they let off with lizzie mcguire now admittedly i was not in the target demographic for lizzie mcguire and i think that even for you we were kind of of the age where we were just a little too old for lizzie mcguire i think i just missed the boat on it and i like hillary duff i do like her very much anything that she's done since i've i've always thought you know she's been good in. she's so cute so See, i'm really I, glad they stuck with her yeah so she's back reprising the role i like her as a person because I actually had, I have had a few interactions with her. Oh, that's right. Because when I was working for the New York Islanders, she was dating Mike Comrie at the time, who was playing for the team. So she used to be at the Coliseum and come to games. Right. And we used to see her. She was always like just so approachable and so genuine. So happy to see that she's back in the fold. High School Musical, the musical, the series. <laughs> Which within itself is funny, and they did this big pomp and circumstance presentation. What I like most about this, because I've only ever seen the first high school musical film. Spoiler, that's going to change in the next couple of weeks. Um, but what I like about it is that they're kind of like pulling an office vibe. Yeah, or like a modern family where it's a scripted... I don't want to say scripted reality because scripted reality is a thing, but it is a take on a reality show. It's a scripted series that's supposed to play like a reality show. Yes, and they're going to have Forky asks a question, 
which are going to be these animated shorts. I liked Forky. I thought he was funny, but I, I didn't pull any punches with my opinion of Toy Story 4. I didn't like it. I know you didn't really like it. I think Forky in shorts is just good enough. I think in short bursts, from in my opinion at least, I think he's funny enough in little pieces. I don't think I could sit there and watch a 22-minute episode of a show that focused on Forky. No. Especially, you know, it's no secret. We did a monoreal in a minute review after we saw Toy Story 4. We're, we're not the biggest fans of it. So I'm okay leaving Forky where he's at. I'm also okay living in a world where Toy Story ends with three. And thanks, partner. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel the same way. Um, Monsters at Work is a show that they announced, which I'm very excited about because I love Monsters, Inc. I really liked Monsters University. This is a Parks tie-in because the premise of this show is this was, the, uh, and the character's name escapes me, forgive me, but the premise is that he graduates Monsters U, top of his class, ready to go, and his first day on the job is when they convert from scares to laughter. For energy. For energy, and he needs to get with the times. And, and sort learn of, how to do comedy to make everybody laugh. I'm really excited for this i am too same thing because i love monsters inc which we've not reviewed in the show and we're, we're gonna have to do that one sooner rather than later yeah. since this is coming but um what i like here is the branding is so smart and this is where all of this original content for disney plus is so worthwhile because you are not only expanding on a franchise, but you're also doing that parks tie-in. So this is like a really nice full circle series. Yeah, because when they did the change at the park, when they went from scares to laughter, it made sense for the attraction. It's a great um, attraction. It's a great attraction. And I like the fact that they're sort of seeing that through because otherwise, to me, call I mean, call me a terrible person, but that that was what I liked most about Monsters Inc. was that they were scaring children. <laughs> so I like the fact that they're continuing that story and building. And you know what's good about this too, and smart, and I'm sure this is in the back of their minds. We have gone and done that attraction at Disney World so many times because it's always just part of our tradition. It's one of the first ones we hit. We when always we go to the start parks. in Tomorrowland, usually Buzz Lightyear. Right. And that but if buzz is, is too long, it's Laugh Factory. How many times can you see the guy who's going to buy churros for the entire theater <laughs> or the guy that's going to dance? They're smart here because what this opens up the opportunity for is for them to expand that show. Because you're going to get new characters introduced in the television show that immediately become characters that you can insert into that live show at, at the park. Or vice versa. Maybe they've pulled from the park and put it in... Put right it in here. Either way, there's content, and I think that it's going to be a smash. The other thing that I really appreciate too is that this is the turn that the Monsters franchise is taking because I don't know that we need a third one. I like Monsters U, but it was a prequel, so we don't need the third in the storyline. I agree. And I wonder if because they're doing the show, if there was any chance of a third movie that this sort of puts it to bed because they it could be that they haven't been able to develop a third film. 
I just hope Roz is in in some capacity. Yeah, me too. Moving on to Marvel Studios uh, doing shows for Disney+. Plus. The first one they announced is What If. And for those of you who are not familiar with it, these are a line of comics where they ask the question, What If? For example, What If Agent Carter drinks or obtains the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve Rogers? And the first person that they introduced when talking about the show, Haley Atwood. What I find interesting about this is it's going to be an animated show. And I would imagine that this is probably something similar to what you'd see on like Disney XD. A child will watch it, but I feel like this is a show that's geared more towards tweens than anything else. But I think your comic book fanboys are going to watch it as well. I'm going to watch it. I was going to say, yeah, I would check it out. I, I like Haley Atwood. I'll watch like anything that she does. But I think... Um... I, I think basically anything Marvel related on Disney Plus, you're gonna get the MCU fan base to watch. It doesn't right. matter what target demo it is. Right. Now, interesting point before we move on to the next show. You and I were talking yesterday while this was going on, and you had brought up an excellent point when you said, I wonder if part of their uh, motivation in acquiring all of these companies, all these IPs, i.e. Marvel, Lucasfilm, was that they could see down the pike that something like this was coming. I hope so, because honestly, the Star Wars thing, I think, was kind of a natural acquisition because you have Star Tours in the parks already. Um, Marvel when they went for it, that that was kind of shocking to me. It at the stunned time. everybody. And um, once they announced Disney Plus, I was kind of like, I wonder if this was the grand design the entire time. I wonder if they saw the popularity of Netflix and the potential of where it was going. And that's why they started piecing all of these things together. Because it's brilliant. And what I love about Disney Plus and where all of this is going is there truly is something for everybody. They could have very easily done a cash grab and said, if you want to see your Disney films, they're all going into the vault and this is what you're going to have to do and you're going to have to subscribe to see them. They're giving us so much content and making it so worth it and really expanding on the idea of giving something for the whole family to enjoy, which is what Disney is. Now, mind you, we're already saying you're giving us so much so much content, and I'm only one, two, three, four, five, five things into this list. Yeah. We haven't even gotten through the series or into the films yet. And already I'm I already can't wait to spend my $5.99 a month and open up the service. The irony being, and I don't think we've said this on the show yet, so yeah. listeners, we'll let you in on the joke. Our trip goes from the 4th to the 15th of November. So we're going to be in the parks when Disney Plus is released, which is cool because I'm excited to see if there's any kind of celebration that they do yeah, down there. I'm really excited. To but be, at the same time, it's like we're not going to be binging with everybody else, which yeah, is so, fine. Yeah. I'd rather be in the parks. Though I will say that we had a conversation two nights ago wondering if purchasing our very merry tickets <laughs> was a good idea because we got those tickets for the 12th. And we were sort of uh, debating what to do. If that debate did not last long, mind you, but we were debating what to do. 
I can't wait to see what they do inside the parks that day because I was upset that we're not going to get the opportunity to get the Disney Plus Founders Circle pins. Those are available if you're a D23 member who attended the expo and prepaid for your first three years, which you got at a deal, by the way. It's it was like $140. Value. It's a great value. But you got three years worth of subscription. They're going to open that up online, but now we can't get the pin. So now I'm not as motivated to buy it. Well, listen, considering the last time we were in the parks, we weren't celebrating. Stan Lee passed away. This is true. I I think this is going to be our retribution. Yes. Anyway, let's get back to the list. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I think this is going to be a show that I'm really going to be interested in because, admittedly, if they put out a Falcon or a Winter Soldier movie... Would I go see it? Yes, only because I've seen all of the other MCU films. These are not two characters that, in my opinion, and there are going to be people that disagree with me, these are not two characters that I really care whether they get a series, whether they get a film or not. Mm. But I think as a television show, I'm much more engaged. I'm far more interested in watching you give them. Shorter stories, shorter adventures, but dragging that out over time. Again, this is like the Monsters, Inc. thing. Did we need another film in the series? No, not really. So this is a much better avenue for it. Because especially now in a post-Avengers world, like what else could you throw at these characters? I mean, we still have a long list of Marvel to get through this year, which is great as far as the films go. But as far as these two characters... How many epic battles can we place them in on screen? How many larger-than-life villains are they going to defeat? This, I think, works better as a week-to-week story. Agreed. And those there are those who will argue that both of them could get movies made because both of them, at some point, are Captain America. Because the Winter Soldier becomes Captain America, and right. we saw at the end of Endgame that Steve Rogers gives the Falcon the shield. so Literally passing the torch. Yeah, so you can make the case for it, but the other thing is, I don't think that either one of those characters are interesting enough where I'm going to sit there for a a two-and-a-half-hour movie on them. But maybe that's something that they do down the line. Right. Maybe this series then is the springboard for the next iteration of Captain America. Exactly. Get Get me more invested in both of them. Get me caring about both of them more, exactly. and then give me a film. Exactly. I can get on board with that. Just like I am so on board with WandaVision, mostly because I love Paul Bettany, and He's they got great. him back. I think that's part of the... I mean, the, the audience erupted. If you were watching the streaming uh, of, of all the announcements, they went nuts. Um, yeah, because him and Elizabeth Olsen came out together. Right. Um so I, I think that's cool. And this is, again, a great vehicle on Disney Plus is that you get to revisit with some of your favorite characters. Could I watch a full movie of them? No, probably not. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see what they do with this, because obviously we know after getting through this first this or this last phase of the MCU, I should say that they have a romantic storyline. Right. So is this going to be a show where it's kind of like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith thing? What exactly are they going to do? I don't really know, but I do know that I'm going to tune in for it. I kind of feel like we're going to 
fill in the gaps between the Avengers and their first appearance in Age of Ultron. Yes. I kind of feel like that's the the time we're going to be set in. I agree. Um, two more, or sorry, three more shows that they that they're bringing uh, to Disney Plus: Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and She Hulk. Admittedly, I know nothing about these characters, but I'll watch it because I because everything that Marvel Studios does, they put a hundred and ten percent into. So I'm curious to see what they can accomplish with these shows. And I also think that they're going to find a way. I think they're, you're going to have to watch these shows. That's what I think. I think they're going to work. Yeah, because Kevin Feige is a genius. They're going to find I a way. I think it's all connected. They're going to connect all these into future films. Whether, whether it's storylines or whether we see characters making cameos, I think it's going to be all interconnected. But I think also as comic book fans, they're going to be excited to maybe see some of these like lesser known comics brought to life. I mean, look at what happened with Guardians of the Galaxy. Ten years ago, nobody would no. have thought that Guardians of the Galaxy would be a successful film franchise. And they've exploded because they are, by and large, for what at least up, up until the point that those films were released, they were secondary characters. And now, they're a global phenomenon. Right. It's a shame that everything happened with the director because I think Guardians would have been like a big release or it would have been like a big talk point for the expo. But the film is so in limbo after everything that happened with uh, James Gunn. Right. They probably weren't ready to speak to it yet. Agreed. We're getting a show that is going to be on the Nat Geo portion of Disney+. Plus. Because in their acquisitions, they have gotten Nat Geo, and that's going to be on the streaming service. The world, according to Jeff Goldblum, take my money. I think this might be what I am most excited for, outside of the parks information. But this even trumps all of the film drops that they did. because For you, at least. For me. I don't care that it has anything to do even with the Nat Geo acquisition. It's just, I'm so glad that somebody finally gave Jeff Goldblum the opportunity to just be Jeff Goldblum and we can all watch. Right, because this is basically a reality show where he like explores the world and he's just eccentric Jeff Goldblum exploring the world and giving his opinion on things. Exactly. I almost feel like it, it might be like an Anthony Bourdain kind of thing, but it's just whatever's, you know, piquing his interest, he's going to go and and research it. But I love that. I, I think as far as it being a Nat Geo acquisition, um, I think it's smart to also showcase that, you know, because even like what's awesome about D23 is they really do hit on all of the Disney properties. Like they even had the cast of Dancing with the Stars there when they announced them. So I think, you know, it's good to touch on all of the different properties. But I like that it's also giving more of a reason to want to subscribe to Disney Plus. And it's right. more well-rounded. It's not just all Disney it's diverse content, exactly, without a doubt. Exactly. And he kind of fits the mold, because when you think about these travel shows, you said Anthony Bourdain. 
you know that's really i mean like the the ayatollah of travel shows right but since then you have these kind of quirky personalities like a jeff goldblum like a norman reedus who did ride and they go and they find these sort of off the beaten path things to do exactly david tell was doing it with insomniac 20 years ago right when he was doing his up all night show no but you're right that's a great point to have like the really quirky offbeat not your typical hollywood leading man do these kinds of shows. I can't wait. We also have a really interesting concept for a show, Encore. I love this. And Kristen Bell is involved with it. I'm going to let you explain the premise of this show. So the irony here is that they're doing High School Musical, the musical show. But this feels more like High School Musical to me because what Kristen Bell is doing is she is, it's like a high school reunion So people are going to go back to their high school, whether they're like five years, 10 years, 20 years removed, and they're going to do a repeat performance of their their big show. Um, So I think that's kind of a fun concept. I'm wondering, I know Kristen Bell does a lot with teachers, so I don't this doesn't seem like a reach where she's involved in something related to school. Like even on her social media, she just highlights teachers just because she's an amazing person. Um, So I think this is a great fit for her. Um, Disney obviously loves her, so they're just going to keep throwing things at her that she can either host or act in or whatever. Um, interesting concept, though. And I'm, I'm just kind of surprised, I guess, that they're not tying this more into High School Musical. And they're not being restrictive with who they're bringing on because they said this is going to range from baby boomers to millennials. Right. Which I think is going to be a really interesting concept. I, here's the thing. I think it's going to be interesting. I'll probably watch a few of them. But I think so far on this list, other than maybe Lizzie McGuire, what we have discussed so far, this one kind of falls towards the bottom of my list. I think it's a great concept. I love the content of it, but it's not something that's going to be in my wheelhouse. And when I look at all of these other things that we've so far spoken about in terms of the series, they there's only so much time in the day right. between us recording the podcast, researching the films we're going to talk about, going to work, walking the dog, going to the gym, going for runs, going to the groceries. There's only so much time in the day that we can dedicate to watching television this is one that I'm probably not going to latch myself onto. What I would be more interested to see is like if you got some super famous celebrity that like actually followed the path and like did the high school drama, then went to acting school after high school or whatever and made it big going back to their high school with their production and having, you know, your average Joe now interacting with, this mega celebrity and still doing the play. That's because you want to see them go to Syosset High School and do something with Idina Menzel again. I wasn't even thinking that actually, but that is a brilliant pitch. You lie. No, I honestly, I was not even thinking about that. But while we're on that, yeah, we do know some people over at Syosset High School. So let's make this happen. Two really interesting titles. Stargirl and Timmy Failure Mistakes Were Made. The only thing I know about either one of them is that they're both YA novels. So this leads me to two things. 
The first being, again, something that targets tweens, which I think is very smart. Mm -hmm. Because other than Star Wars and Marvel, so far, to me, there's not a ton there for the tweens. Maybe they'll go back and watch a few of their favorite movies, but I'm sure most of them already own DVDs and Blu-rays. And for the kids that are in that sort of in-between phase where they're not going to want to watch a princess film, you need to give them something. YA novels are a really interesting avenue for them to pursue. The other thing is this. You had mentioned it on the show a couple of times. The big studios are not looking for one-and-dones anymore. Mm -hmm. They're looking for franchises. What I find interesting about acquiring two YA books and doing these as Disney Plus releases is that they're avoiding the theatrical run, which I think is kind of smart, because other than Twilight, and maybe you can make a case for a fault, what is a fault in, in your stars? A fault, a in, fault our, in our stars, yes. I personally, I, and, and Ready Player One was huge. I don't know of many of these YA books that become these blockbuster films that you want to produce with a $180 million budget, a $200 million budget. Acquiring these and putting them on a streaming service gives you the opportunity to acquire properties, acquire characters, and make content for cheaper budgets. Well, I think it's a couple of things. Is I feel like you get to play it safe this way when when acquiring these things. I think it's twofold. I think it's that ever since Harry Potter and then Hunger Games or uh, Harry Potter Twilight Hunger Games. That's, I forgot Hunger Games. Any book, any YA book, they're not just writing it with the book in mind. They're they're writing it with a, a movie deal in mind. So much YA is all series now. They're all trying to catch that Harry Potter lightning in a bottle. So I think this is smart where you're kind of skipping the middleman because I think, you know, adolescents are where the movie audience is getting lost because there's a lot of family movies, obviously not just Disney. There's the Trolls franchise. There's, you know, the the uh, Despicable Me. There's, there's yeah. a ton of family movies out there. And then... Yeah, you have all of your action, comedy, romance, but I feel like they're all more adult and I feel like we're losing that middle ground audience, especially because, you know, think about it, is that teens now, you have to get a ride to the movies, you have to get dropped off. So it's like, why are parents going to want to make the trip when you could watch a movie right in your own home? Especially because going to the movies has almost become prohibitive in its cost. Absolutely. My father and I went to go see Solo, and we're standing online at the movie theater. There's a woman who's standing in front of us. She's got her three kids, and each of the kids were allowed to invite a friend. Oh, my God. So there's seven people. The movie was in 3D IMAX, the, the, what, what he and I went to go see, the showing of Solo. And it was during one of these holiday weeks where there's a school vacation. Right. $126 just to walk in the door. Before popcorn, before anything. When my dad and I went, between two tickets to the movie, two popcorns, and two sodas, and I said, I'll treat, because my dad always likes to treat to lunch or whatever. I said, I'll treat the movie, Dad. I spent 80 
$80. Yeah. $80. We could have gone to an Islander game. I could have taken him to a Yankee game. And that's what I'm saying. I feel like, you know, kids who I mean, the seats would have sucked, but I could have taken them <laughs> to a Yankee game. That I, I think kids in that age group of like 13 to 16, like before you're driving, before you're old enough to work, work legally, I mean, like... Yeah, 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 I got you. Paper, you know, everybody had like the babysitting or the dog walking job where you make cash off the books. But I'm saying that middle ground age, yeah, it might not be what they want to spend their money on at this point. yeah. Not when they can sit in the comfort of their home and just knock out. And I think that's it, too, is this age group is so used to having everything on demand. They well, just want to the see the thing. entire series laid out. So I think that's where, you know, a YA series is smart because they're just going to want to binge on it. Yeah. Probably the biggest announcement in terms of films that are going straight to the streaming service. We got a trailer drop for Lady and the Tramp. It looks really good. I think I'm going to get thrown, though, because the animals talk. There was part of me that had, because I knew they were using live animals in the film. Right. Part of me had kind of hoped that they were doing it in a homeward bound sort of way where the dogs talked to each other. They communicated, but their mouths didn't move because when I see them actually talk to each other, it comes off like one of these Beverly Hill Chihuahua movies where you have a live animal and the CGI just looks so fake when they chat with each other that it sort of takes me out of it. I feel like the film looks a little cheap that way. Were you asleep through Lion King? That's different. Those are entirely CGI'd animals. So, okay, all right. I, I guess I was going to you know say you're saying? okay with a lion talking and not a dog, but I, yeah, that's true. It wasn't entirely CGI. You know what they know. remind me of when they do these things? You know those those stupid things you see on the internet where it's a still photo and they cut the mouth out and it's yeah, actually somebody, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they insert somebody's mouth talking? To me, that's what it looks like when they do these things. I mean, the trailer didn't really expose enough of how they're going to make them talk because it's just tramp talking first of all to lady and they use it like a voiceover when he says you know come with me and he makes this pitch for her to run away so you don't see the scene play out you see an overview of the film with this voiceover so I'm not sure if there is going to be that disconnect yet And if it's going to look weird, Um, what I do want to say about this movie, and I don't care how they make them talk because they did a wonderful thing. The um, dog that's playing Tramp was a rescue dog and they cast him in the movie. And I love that they did that. I love that. And Monty and Rose got to come out on stage with Yvette Nicole Brown and Rose, who plays Lady. She was so excited to see all those people. They're very cute. They are very cute. And I have to say, I was happy to see that they didn't... See, it's this is where it gets weird. I'm going to be weirded out when the real-life animals have moving mouths done by CGI, but I'm glad that they didn't just CGI the movie and that they used real animal actors because, to me, it's yes. a throwback of the 90s when you had both Homeward Bound movies. Right. You had 101 Dalmatians, even though I didn't like that movie. Air Bud, which we haven't talked about yet. And Air Bud is dumb, but it's fun. I I appreciate that and that they didn't just lean on doing 
computer animated like they did for The Lion King. You bring up an interesting point, though. Um, 101 Dalmatians, which we did review, the way that they got around it there was that it was human-centric. So the dogs barked at each other. But, yeah, you didn't really have to worry about the CGI. They announced Togo, which is based on a true story about a man and his sled dog. Man played by Willem Dafoe, which I am very happy he is on Disney's radar. Yes. As we discussed in our in this week's episode, I should say, that came out earlier this week, he would be my choice for Hades in the live-action Hercules. And where you got Willem Dafoe, I finally got Anna Kendrick in a Disney film because for those of you who have been listening to this show from the beginning, I champ- Thank you. First of all, thank Number you. Number one, thank you. <laughs> Secondly, I championed her as Ariel. I didn't get it. I mentioned her this week as Meg when they do the live-action hercules remake that is to be determined but i know that she's going to be in noel she's the title character opposite bill Hader. the premise is that she is santa's daughter santa has since retired her brother nick played by bill Hader, is taking the reins and becoming the new santa claus and he can't handle the stress she suggests he take a weekend off and he just never comes back Now, we've kind of seen this storyline before, similar, with a new Santa Claus being introduced to the world and questioning whether or not he could do the job. We saw it in The Santa Claus with Tim Allen, which we did review on this show. But I'm a sucker for Christmas movies. And as stupid as this sounds, for whatever reason... This is the movie I'm the most excited <laughs> to see right now on Disney+. Plus. I am more excited for Lady and the Tramp, which, by the way, this was the one thing that I forgot to mention. I think they are going to have to adjust the story a little bit because since you're using real dogs, I would love to think that we're not going to see the car scene. And if you haven't seen Lady and the Tramp yet, I will just leave it at that. We've not reviewed it on the show, so I don't want to spoil that. Right. Uh, but, I mean, you can kind of guess what happens since I said there's a car scene, but I, I don't want to see that. Uh, yeah. This one I'm definitely excited about for the cast. I love that it's got some 90s nostalgia Christmas movie feels to it. Um, not as great as, you know, Santa's been watching his saturated fats, but I, I hope we get some quotable Christmas lines. And I mean, you know, in recent... Like her yogurt pants. Yes, her yogurt pants. Yeah, the trailer The trailer looks pretty cute. And I, I'm excited to see Bill Hader in this role. Because I, I can totally see the, you know, I can't handle this, I'm out from him. I hope that it's as good as the Christmas Chronicles. Because that was another one that oh had God. a really quirky trailer. And ended up being one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. That delivered on every single thing that I wanted it to be. Yeah. So I'm hoping Noel does the same. Yeah. With a little Disney magic sprinkled on it. Yep. Um, They mentioned Diary of a Female President. She's a young kid that becomes president. It's a zany, wacky idea because it could not actually happen. But again, they're targeting tweens. So, hey, good on you. I don't have much else to add on it, really. I like that they're kind of throwing back. Um, there was a movie 
which you've probably never even heard of before. I think it was a Disney Channel movie, actually, starring Will Friedell, My Date with the President's Daughter. Heard of it, never seen it. Um, yeah, he, as you can imagine, goes on a date with the president's daughter, except he doesn't know it's the president's daughter at first. Um, I watched for Will Friedell, obviously, but um, I, I think this is kind of the take on it, that, you know, kind of, it could happen story. Then we moved on to the Star Wars portion of Disney Plus. Lord. Kathleen Kennedy came out. The Clone Wars is coming to Disney Plus, which has a lot of people excited. And The Clone Wars is a show that has been on my radar. I've always wanted to watch it. Never got the opportunity to, but figured it would come to Disney Plus, so I, I look forward to binging on it. Because from what I gather... The story is great. The show's a lot of fun. The animation is supposed to be phenomenal. So I'm totally on board and excited that they brought this on. I like that they're also doing a great combination of live action and animated Star Wars. Yep. We're getting a Cassian Andor series. We're getting The Mandalorian. We know that. But they brought Jon Favreau out. New Disney legend Jon Favreau. Yes. And deservedly so. You know... You mentioned that, and he, he does deserve it, because there was a few minutes on Friday when they had the ceremony, he got in, Robert Downey Jr. got in, and I sort of wondered, does he really deserve to be recognized as a Disney legend? Because I'm like, he made The Lion King, and he made uh, uh, The Jungle Book. But then you forget, he's Happy Hogan. He yeah. directed the Iron Man movies. like he's, And now he's involved with The Mandalorian and with Star Wars. Like, I love John Favreau. I love him as an actor. I love him as a director. Chef is one of my favorite movies. And I if you Chef. haven't seen Chef, you should really go watch it. Um, but he deserves to be a Disney legend. Again, not the first name you think of, but when you really look when at his... When you look at the catalog, yeah. Yeah. But he's that's the thing. Like He's, he's very quiet and unassuming. You know, like he's he's not this flashy celebrity. He just kind of comes off like a regular guy. He's not in the papers other than when he's working on something. He's never been in the tabloids. He doesn't have, you know, a history of debauchery behind him. He's just, you know, even even in I Love You, Man, he's got a minor role in I Love You, Man. And like you didn't even hear about it until you saw him in it. Yeah. The trailer for The Mandalorian looks insane it yeah. looks it, it looks unbelievable and that's going to be available on march 12th or sorry on november 12th i should say this is a launch day title yeah and it's my understanding though that they're not releasing all of the episodes at once they are releasing it week after week after week so i know I that's going to rub some people some the wrong time, way though. That's going to rub some people the wrong way because I know some people, they people love to binge things. It's like when Stranger Things gets released and the next day you always have that one friend that watched the entire season overnight. Right. I can't do that. I have no interest in doing that. Two, maybe three episodes and then I'm done. I got to move on to something else. No, the the last show we binged really hard on. Uh, I mean, we we liked S Sons of Anarchy, but before that was Breaking Bad. But Breaking Bad was completely addictive. There were just we didn't watch the show in its regular run. We did it after the fact, and 
thank God, because we couldn't get enough of it. There were a lot of like 4 a.m. nights because we just couldn't turn the thing off. Um, but typically, we don't consume television that way. I think this year is going to have to be the exception because, as we said before, we're going to be in the parks when this drops. So probably Thanksgiving weekend, we're just going to shut ourselves in and catch up. But to your point, um, I think that's smart for Star Wars to do it. First of all, I miss episodic television other than sitcoms you really don't get a lot and all right you got your this is us now but you don't get a lot of that anymore everybody just wants to binge and it, there's so many netflix originals i like the idea of releasing it a little bit of a time but like you also have to think that this is star wars it's a huge title and in the age of it's not just about the binge it's about the i have to say it first i have to be the one to break it on the internet I want my blog, my YouTube channel, my whatever it is to get the first hits. And that that is part of it. That's why people stay up all night, because they have to watch the whole series and they want to be the first to break it. So I think for Star Wars, because it's such a huge entity, it is smart to do it little by little. It's also smart because think about it like this. If they put out an entire series, right, a lot of these are going to be six, eight, ten episodes, it's one thing to have a Netflix subscription because it's not inclusive to one company. Therefore, it does not necessarily target one sort of demographic. Disney Plus is interesting in that, for all intents and purposes, it can have a broad spectrum, but it also can't. Right. Because if you're somebody that is a Star Wars person you're only going to have Disney Plus to watch Star Wars content. If you're a Marvel person, you're only going to have it to watch Marvel content. There's a lot more Disney content in terms of, the, the, you know, over 5,000 episodes of Disney television shows and movie, et cetera, and so forth. But if you're into Marvel, odds are you've already got the films on Blu-ray anyway. You're going to get this to watch the television shows. Star Wars, again, Far less Star Wars movies than there are MCU movies. Odds are you own every single one of them, even the ones you don't like, just to have the full set. You've already watched them. If you put out The Mandalorian and give it its entire run, if you put out WandaVision and give it its entire run, and somebody wants to take it and binge it for a week, they'll cancel the subscription and wait until the next series comes out. Yep. And then it's like renting a movie for six ninety nine for six dollars a month. But if it's episodic like that, they yeah. lock you into having to keep that subscription. Yeah. No, you're absolutely I right. I think that's the biggest thing here. Well, I guess uh my final thoughts on Disney Plus before oh, we Oh, we're not done yet. Oh, there's more. We had the bomb. Which wasn't really a bomb because the rumor broke earlier in the week. But Ewan, Ewan McGregor showed up. Ah, uh, yes. And I he did confirmed One more piece of Star Wars. with Kathleen Kennedy that we have an Obi-Wan Kenobi series. The only good thing to come out of the Star Wars prequels was Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Of all of the television shows, other than The Mandalorian, this is the one for me. I think it's only running eight episodes. I believe that's the number. So it is a very limited series. But it takes place right before the events of Solo. 
for those of you who know the timeline of the Star Wars universe in, in terms of the films. This is taking place before Solo. I am so excited. I can't wait. I was jazzed when I heard the news as a rumor to have it confirmed. The hair on my arms. <laughs> it has the, the hair no, on my arms. Hasn't gone down. Hasn't gone down in th- t- today. Three days. <laughs> it hasn't gone down in three days. But I am so excited about this. Yeah. So excited. The room went nuts when you and McGregor walked in. I'm happy to see him. You know, I like that Disney likes him. They had him in Christopher Robin. So I'm happy to see that. You know, he's one of those people they're going to keep returning to. Well, he's a brilliant actor. And Disney, you know, they know who the talent is. And if you can lock the talent in long term, like they did with Robert Downey Jr., like they've done with Favreau, like they've done with Haley Atwood, now they're doing it again with Ewan McGregor, who, like I said, was phenomenal in Star Wars, was unbelievable in Big Fish. It's it's just smart. Honestly, I'm wondering if this is going to be another thing that Disney kind of, not precedence, because I have a feeling we might see like a full circle in Hollywood when you used to, like back in the day, you used to sign as an actor or actress with a studio. So you only did that studio's movies. And I'm wondering if we're going to see that kind of shift. I mean, I think that's very restrictive because... You know, if there's a good project and if somebody's the right person for it, you shouldn't be so locked into a contract where you can't go do it. But I wonder, because we keep seeing these familiar faces, I I guess we could call them these potential Disney legends. You know, if that's kind of the route that it's taking. Definitely. All right. Now you can give your final take on Disney Plus. My my final take on Disney Plus is that... uh, Bravo on Disney for not making it a cash grab. I think there's something for everybody. Um, I think that the additional content to the films is great. I I like all the choices that they've made for what's going to series as opposed to keep putting out film after film after film. Um, Just as somebody who's in the industry, I'm excited that there are so many projects and so much work that's, that's out there now. And, you know, I think that a lot of that credit goes to Netflix and Hulu as well because of their original programming. Uh, So that's really exciting. The only thing that, and you hit on it before, um, with not having the actual film anymore um, and not having like a Blu-ray or DVD, uh, that's the only thing that I haven't seen yet from Disney Plus that I hope to see is a little bit more peek behind the curtain making of you know, whatever it is, whatever film is being put out. I hope they do some kind of behind-the-scenes series because um, that's something I'm definitely going to miss about having a physical copy of a DVD. My guess is that if they do it at all, it'll be similar to when you used to watch, like, The Wonderful World of Disney on ABC and they would do a segment on yeah, a making of. It's not like it's not going to be like the HBO when a big release is coming out and they give you, like, a half hour. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be... Who, I mean, we don't know. Because this is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I think my takeaway with Disney Plus is that I had I had said for value on the dollar, this was an incredible value before we knew it was coming. Now that we know exactly what is there, and they've brought so much more to the table because admittedly when they gave the um, the release titles a couple of weeks ago, I thought, mm, 
I have most of these movies already. Right. There's nothing here. There's nothing here that's salivating to me. I'm not. I'm not really excited over any of this. But in the back of my mind, I knew three weeks from that moment was D23 Expo, and we were going to get a lot more. Seeing what they have announced, and it's not even the whole. It's not even the full slate. But based on what we have now, they're giving it away at yeah. the price point. And I give them credit for it because they're making it approachable for families. They're making it approachable for individuals. Disney Plus, it's they have made it clear. Disney Plus is for everyone. It's not just for kids. It's not just for families. Between Not just for Disney fans. Correct. Between the MCU, the Star Wars stuff, the Disney stuff, the Nat Geo stuff. And Simpsons. We didn't even hit on Simpsons. Because, I, well, we didn't talk about it, but I don't, I don't really see the Simpsons being long-lived. In the Disney company. I I think they're going to go over to Hulu. I think... I mean, they are going to be on Disney Plus to start. I think Disney is going to... Work, I think... I've said it on the show before. I think... I think The Simpsons are going universal. I think this is going to be Disney's bargaining chip for getting the Marvel characters released from Universal. Absolutely. And Universal would be stupid for not taking the deal. Because let's because be real. Because you're going to lose everything at some point exactly. then. Exactly. Because you're st- cause you're going to lose your Marvel characters and you'll lose the Simpsons. So you're going to cripple the parks. Uh, especially with the Simpsons not, stuff. I know what's coming. Well, more Harry Potter. And Nintendo. But they're doing a whole separate park. I, I'm saying if you pulled the Simpsons out, both Hollywood... And Orlando have entire Simpson lands. Right. And and that's the pitch is that you can either keep your Simpsons and lose Marvel or you're just going to lose both. both. I don't see the Simpsons as being with Disney for the long haul. I think at some point they get sent over to Universal. Disney Studios had their presentation. We got the cast introduction as well as a new poster for The Rise of Skywalker. I think that this is going to be the epic conclusion to this new Star Wars trilogy. And I think Star Wars, other than what you see on Disney+, and I think this is why they're doing so much with Star Wars on Disney+, I think Star Wars is going to go away for a while. I don't think you're going to see Star Wars in cinemas for Five years. I think Star Wars is going to go away. I hope so. I, I think you need to let it breathe. I think if you force another one, I mean, there's been talk how long of the Boba Fett movie. You know, I, I think I think we just need to let it breathe for a sec. And you're not going to get the Boba Fett movie because now you have the Mandalorian. Right. So this is what I'm saying. Like, you have the Mandalorian, you have the Cassian Andor coming, you have the Obi-Wan, and they had talked about doing an Obi-Wan movie, now they're making it a series. I think you're going to take... All of these, especially these backstories, because Solo was such a box office bomb, which is sort of a shame because I liked Solo a lot. We'll eventually review it on the show. I think it got a bad rap because it was a production nightmare getting the film made. Um, I think they've sort of backed off of doing these prequel backstory films. Now I think you're going to start seeing them made for for Disney Plus as miniseries. No, and this is where the brilliance of these streaming services come in when you're doing these original series is that the Star Wars, the Star Wars world is so rich as far as characters and lands and 
just everything about it, there is so much that you can do. You you could make a Jar Jar Bing series if you wanted to. You could. <laughs> I knew that was going to strike a chord. it doesn't mean you should, and they never will. I'm just saying there are enough worlds. I mean, think about how many combinations there are of ways that you can go back in, in Star Tours. They could have 60 series if they wanted to. Of course they could. But I'd rather see it on Disney Plus where you get to pick and choose what you want as opposed to having one movie come out and that's what you get and that's what you go see. And, you know, some movies just like a Toy Story 4 don't fit the franchise and it it disappoints you as a fan. Now you can kind of customize your viewing experience to what what your interest is. Yep. Um, then they did a little bit more with the MCU. They talked about Black Panther 2 announced its release date. They talked about the Eternals, which has a tremendous Whoa. cast. Yeah, I, I didn't see that coming at Selma all. Selma Hayek and Angelina Jolie, just to name a few. Yep. Um, then they talked about the Jungle Cruise. And I had to admit, I was frustrated because... Before the panel started, they made people, and I understand why they did it, they made people bag their phones and bag their tablets so that you couldn't stream or take video. The Rock came in, Dwayne Johnson. Sorry, he's not a wrestler anymore. He's Dwayne Johnson. He Uh, came in. He is Mr. Hollywood, though. Have a little respect. Seven Bucks Productions, they're like the next Disney. And I mean, that's the thing. He loves the company, but like... This man, I was not a wrestling fan. I'm not, I mean, I like Fast and the Furious and that whole series well enough, but like, I really had no interest in Dwayne Johnson until I started following him on Instagram. And just to see like the hours that he puts in and how much production he's into, he just loves this industry. And he's got this production company now. I, th- I think he's like, I think he made it to billionaire status. But he's one of the most influential production companies in Hollywood. And Seven to, Bucks is doing amazing things now. And to think, his Disney contract started with the Tooth Fairy. Oh, my God. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yep. Oh, my God. Uh, we're going to have to talk about that one eventually. No, and seriously, if you're not following him on Instagram, go just for the cheat meals. Every Sunday, he's like having like i don't know eight rolls of sushi and these giant cookies like it's hysterical he eats like five thousand calories a day he's a real life gaston yeah he's the closest thing to that character if that character existed on this earth he would be dwayne johnson well anyway he came in (laughs) sorry he came into the presentation on a jungle cruise boat Yes. Because he plays a Jungle Cruise skipper named Frank. And Emily Blunt pays him a bunch of money to go on this adventure. And it's it's one of these zany stories like you'd hear from the 90s. Like, they couldn't be two more opposite people. And now they're in this wacky adventure. And they they said it's sort of like that Michael Douglas. I believe it was Michael Douglas. I don't think it was Kurt Russell. I believe it, I'm almost positive it was Michael Douglas. Thinking back on my uh, 80s cheese, uh, Romancing the Stone, it was Michael Douglas because then they had a sequel called The Jewel of the Nile. Yeah, And yeah, they yeah. said that this is kind of, this is going to be sort of in that same vein. 
I know that it worked with Pirates of the Caribbean. Taking a, a ride and turning it into a franchise. We know what an epic failure Haunted Mansion was. Yep. I think this is going to teeter more towards the Pirates of the Caribbean side. I don't know how many movies you can make. And I think if Pirates of the Caribbean taught us anything, it's that sometimes there is such <laughs> thing as too many movies. Yeah, I I mean, I love the idea that instead of basing rides off of films, we are taking these classic rides and retrofitting them in into the Disney universe's films. Um, so I like the idea that it's also not hard and fast, the ride. It's just loosely based on it. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more with, you know, they did the Skipper Cantina restaurant in Magic Kingdom, and that's supposed to be where the Jungle Cruise skippers come and they hang out after work. Um, so I definitely would like to see them pull from that a little bit more. I like that idea. Um, I'm really excited for I've been excited for it. Um, I was more excited when I heard that it was going to be a Tim Allen movie because that was the first, I think the first iteration of this when they announced Jungle Cruise got greenlit, was that it was going to be a Tim Allen movie. And this was like seven years ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was a while ago. So this so, has been in development for a long time. I was excited for it then. After seeing what The Rock did with Jumanji, I am super excited for this. Well, yeah, and he also did the, um, what was that, the rundown with Sean William Scott. That was like an adventure film in the jungle. So this is... He's done this before. But, I mean, he's really good with family movies and taking something that he knows is very beloved and staying true to it. And I couldn't think of anything more funny than the big, hulky, cheesy Dwayne Johnson opposite Emily Blunt. I think both are future Disney legends. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, she's Mary Poppins, for crying out loud. Right. Um, but I can't wait to see it. I just, we tried so hard to find that footage. We couldn't find it anywhere. Disney did a really good job of keeping that one on lockdown. But I do have to say that as selfish as I am, and I wish that I could have seen the footage, I like the fact that they did make people bag their phones, bag their cameras, bag their tablets, because you know what? At the same time, you have people that literally traveled the globe to get here. Right. Spend a lot of money like we do to be D23 members. Spend a lot of money to travel. And you know what? I'd kind of be a little jaded too. There's only so much FOMO that would motivate me to spend money. <laughs> right? So I'm... I would kind of be upset for me if I had spent all the money to go there and found out I could have sat on my couch at home and put 1500 bucks back in my pocket. Between tickets for three days, hotel, airfare, rental car, et cetera, and so forth. make Give me something exclusive to me. Right. No, and I mean, is it cool enough to be there with all of the stars of your favorite films? Yeah, absolutely. But, like, you do have to incentivize people with some kind of exclusive, there's a reason I'm here and nobody else is going to see this event. And, yeah. and that was it. And I'm wondering also how much this had to do with what's going on with the Sony battle for Spider-Man now. If if they really tried to soften the blow 
by hyping up the rest of the films because they really can't hit on the future of that franchise yet. Correct. And that's what everybody wants to know because if you look at the comments on anything that was announced, it's where's Spider-Man, where's Spider-Man? I think everybody needs to calm down and hope that they're going to do right by the fans, no matter what the outcome is. Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, that's coming out in October. And Angelina Jolie came out again because she was already there for the Eternals. And what I found interesting about this was that they got Elle Fanning back to Mm -hmm. play um, Sleeping Beauty, Aurora, um, and Michelle Pfeiffer. You want to talk about somebody that's got a Disney contract, Michelle Pfeiffer's back. Yeah. Doing another Disney film. But I, I like both her and Angelina Jolie, so I'm I'm excited that they're they're coming back for another one. They discussed Mulan, which we know is coming out soon. Um, the live action interpretation. That was something I was surprised. The big thing was that they got Christina Aguilera at the at the expo to sing. I was surprised we didn't get another trailer or like a first look, or maybe that is something that they showed that you know, we just didn't get to stream or or they made sure that it, it wasn't released. Um, but I was surprised we didn't get more from Mulan. The bombshell in the Disney Studios panel, in my opinion, was Cruella, which was the next thing they spoke about. I was not expecting that at all, considering we just reported that they pushed back the release date. Right, it got pushed back from 2020 to 2021. We didn't get a trailer, but what we did get is a promotional still of Emma Stone in costume with three Dalmatians and Horace and Jasper, and oh my God, does she look great. Amazing. It doesn't even matter to me. You know, one of the things that we had discussed when we did the Dalmatians review was how are they going to age her because Cruella looks older. I don't even care. They pulled it off the two-tone hair with that heavy makeup that it doesn't even matter how old she is. She just looks amazing. They went, I like that they went for like glam rock with it. She looks badass. It, It looks amazing. And she's rocking that scowl, which I love. Yeah, and and she's, yeah, I I was shocked that we got that. And again, I'm wondering how much that has to do with let's give them something to talk about besides Spider-Man, but I'm happy we got that. I'm, even though we saw more from like Frozen and they have this huge cast with Eternals, this from one picture, I'm probably most excited about this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they they then brought out um, some people from Pixar, some of the folks from over there, and they announced Soul, a movie that is kind of a why am I here storyline. And um, again, don't know much about it. They brought out some of the cast, like uh, Questlove from The Roots is in the film. Tina Fey, Jamie Foxx, and Felicia Rashad. And you said when she came on screen that you would take her in anything. She was just in This Is Us, and I loved it. But, yeah, I mean, she's Cosby show. I'll see her play a mother in anything, assuming that's what she's going to be. I mean, we really, we have cast announcements for all these films, but we really didn't find out too much about it other than that it's going to be like an existential crisis movie. Kind of like a Inside Out, sort of. That's that was more of exactly a human where my thing. head went, yeah. So I thought it was interesting that they're tackling 
you know, this more spiritual end of it now. Right. Well, I mean, Inside Out dealt more with adolescence. This, but I'm wondering if there's a tie-in somewhere other than like your obvious Tina Fey, Amy Poehler connection. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't. I I think it's like a smart leap where Inside. I mean, Inside Out was really for everybody. It wasn't. It wasn't for kids. I mean, that movie hit you right in the feels. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm hoping this is kind of in that same vein. They talked a little bit about Onward. We got a new poster for Onward. They brought out Tom Holland, who for now has a Disney contract, um, as well as Chris Pratt. And what I found interesting about this is that Chris Pratt, the character in the trailer, and we haven't seen a lot in regards to Onward so far, but he's got the old beat-up van, he's wearing the denim vest, and he kind of looks like somebody who's not ready to get to, to let go of the 80s and still thinks that he's in his prime. Like the type of guy that sits at the end of the bar with a beer gut, wearing his Letterman jacket from high school, talking about how he almost won a state championship 20 years ago. Like Stifler. Exactly. Probably in the next American Pie sequel that they do. And Disney will buy that next. Um, <laughs> no, they won't. No, and, they won't. And as it turns out, that's basically the exact character that he's playing. Right. So I'm totally on board with that. They also announced Raya and the Last Dragon. And the only thing that I thought when I when I saw the headline that Aquafina joins Disney is that why do I care about product placement? Because Aquafina is bottled water. I don't know who Aqu- sorry folks, I don't know who Aquafina is. I wasn't too familiar with her um, until Crazy Rich Asians came out. I've not seen it, so I have no frame of reference. Um, yeah, that's another one though. I I don't know too much about. So it it's um, obviously we're going to know more about these things in the next few years, but they seemed to be pulling things. From they they had a ton of balls in the air, pulling from things that we knew were coming and really surprising us with a bunch of things that we didn't see coming. And of course, the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae is the movie that we've known has been coming out since five minutes into the first movie, and that was Frozen <laughs> 2. And they brought the entire cast out and the place went insane. Yes, with the two new additions, too, of uh, Sterling Brown and uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Um, moving on to the park. Actually, before we get to the parks, one minor thing that I think is very interesting because a lot of people have noticed that their Disney stores are starting to disappear from the mall, which is always to me has been a shame when they lose their Disney stores because I remember going there. It was always the Disney store and the Warner Brothers store. And full disclosure, when I was a kid, I always leaned more towards Warner Brothers store than I did the Disney store. I was a young man, and it was sort of geared more towards my demographic. But Warner Brothers store is long gone. Disney store was hanging on for a long time. Now some of them are getting shut down. However, now it was announced that Target, a few hundred of them at least, I think they said over 500 actually, are getting Disney stores inside of Target, which I think is very interesting. Because you're still going to get the Disney Store products. And they're calling it the Disney Store. 
But to me, it looks more like a Disney section than a Disney store. I mean, if you've seen what they've done with Magnolia Home, which is Chip and Joanna Gaines' product line, yeah, it does look like its own little world within Target. But, like, are they going to have animatronics? That's my no. big concern. I, no. Well, I want animatronics. You got animatronics as Stu Leonard's. Yeah. Well, you know why. Because Stu Leonard was Walt Disney's college roommate. Yeah. But be that as it may, let's apply that to Target. Agreed. On to the park stuff now. Because this is where, by far, the biggest bombs of the last three days got dropped. And I, that doesn't really surprise me. Because I feel like the biggest bombs are always dropped in the park's panel. They dropped, as I, rem- as I remember, I believe they dropped New Fantasyland there. They definitely dropped Galaxy's Edge. Um, and interesting that it was Bob Chappick that was running the park side, not Bob Iger. Yeah. But I know Bob Iger has also said that at, after this contract, he's done. I wonder now if he's got Disney Plus that's launching in a couple of months. They've just opened Galaxy's Edge. Obviously, they're tied up right now with Kevin Feige trying to work out the Sony thing. But I'm wondering if now Bob Iger, because he was not quite as visible at D23 as he usually is, mm. I'm wondering if this is him now slowly starting to take his steps back. Maybe. I, I don't know. I also feel like fans are pretty split when it comes to Bob Iger, and I'm wondering if, if that's why he was kind of laying low. I'd love to meet the fans that are on the other side of, of the Iger fence. I think Bob Iger has done a phenomenal job. But I can see where some people, some of the purists, don't understand why they need Marvel or Star Wars, Galaxy's Edge, Disney+, Plus, and about $10 billion. That's why they have them. That's no, why they bought them. It's like I said to you before, I, I believe this was the grand design with those acquisitions. But, you know, you said you wanted to meet somebody who's not that much of an Iger fan. Hi, I'm Jackie. It's nice to meet you. Really? I never knew that you were not on the Iger train. No. Definitely not. Really? Yeah. Very interesting. We're going to have to talk about that later. Yeah, that's an off-the-air conversation. Talking about the parks and how it ties into some of those IPs that they purchased, such as Marvel, um, they're going to be putting Avengers campuses at different parks around the globe. I think Hong Kong has one or is getting one. Disney's California Adventure is getting one. That's where a bug's land was, and it mm-hmm. was closed when we went there, and they had already started tearing all of that down. What I find interesting is that they're all going to tie into each other, I which I think is smart. I love that. No, and this was the franchise to do it with because, you know, Avengers are about protecting the whole world. So I think it, it's perfect. And I, I love the theming that we're recruits. Like, this is going to be one of those things where, we're like, we've talked about it so many times is that we've seen the downhill of universal or the downfall of universal because you don't get to ride the movies anymore. I feel like we're going to ride some movies with the Avengers rides. And a lot of people will say there is no downfall for universal. 
And you can make the argument that they're making money, but I do feel for a long time that Universal lost its identity. Yeah. And my whole thing with being anti-Universal, I was not anti-Universal because I was pro-Disney. I used to love them both in equal measure. Mm. My issue is because their tagline used to be Ride the Movies. They took away Ghostbusters that I loved. They took away Jaws, which I loved. They took away Back to the Future, which I loved, and just kept putting Harry Potter stuff in. And I started to feel like, and and I couldn't really give a you-know-what one way or the other about um, Harry Potter, I'll be honest with you. Um, I've read one book. I enjoyed it. I think the movies are horrendous. And I never read the books as a child because I think that I was just a little too old when the first book came out. I remember my brother, who's two years younger than me, was obsessed, but it just didn't cater to me. My brother's the one who bought it home, but I I got bit by the Potter bug. But they they needed something to compete with Disney at the time. Right. And they certainly did it. But back to the Disney parks. So you got the DCA is going to get that. They're getting a Guardians ride. They're getting a Spider-Man uh, ride. They're getting a Quinjet experience, which you become the um, the recruit. Right. And with the Spider-Man. Yeah, that's where you get to ride the movie. See, yeah, likewise it's, it's with Spider-Man. And it's a web-slinging ride. Honestly, I'm surprised. I mean, as of now, they still own the rights to the character, but I'm surprised they unveiled that. And I really hope that we don't have a problem with it. They still own the character. They just don't have the movie rights. It's it's so sticky, but we talked about it earlier this week, and, and they're going to be debating this for months, so it's not even worth getting that involved in it right now. But what I thought... What but the I ride th- looks cool. It looks great. Phase one is going to open next year. I'm. That's the other thing that was shocking to me, is we're coming in phases. I mean, they dropped a lot on us, and there's still more that they haven't said yet. What I find interesting here is that people joke about how long it takes Disney to get any attraction open. Because it seems like when Disney announces a project, you don't see it for four or five years. It takes forever to get a land or an attraction done in any of the Disney parks. I can't believe, because we were just there in November, they closed a Bugs Land in August, and already by next year, you're talking within a, presumably within a year and a half, certainly less than two years. It seems. And I could be wrong about that. But I'm assuming they're going to want to have this open before summer vacation when people are going to be visiting the parks. Mm -hmm. That you're going to have this major project done. And when we were there, other than some construction work and construction walls and things being disassembled, we didn't see anything going from the ground up. We only saw from the top down. Because they right. were still disassembling things and knocking buildings down. Well, that's that's one of my things with Iger is that I don't think it's that things take so long to build so much as that you're talking about them way too early. Like, wait a little while and then, yeah, when you break ground on it, then you're going to have to own up to what's going there. But I think a lot of this is like trying to create hype and peak interest when you don't even, need to, it's Disney. We're gonna come see it anyway. Even with Pandora, I mean, that was that was years, years it took them. Well, part of that was because James Cameron, James Cameron has a huge ego. But they got it right. They did, but he he had a lot to say about it. As he should, though. I mean, it's it's his property, 
and they took a subpar movie because it is. Yeah. It's not that great. Yeah. It's okay. And they made it into an unbelievable experience. A movie that I couldn't care less if I ever saw again. I hate the movie, but I love Pandora. It's now a land that I can't miss. Yeah. Not for a million dollars can I miss that land. Yeah. Cirque du Soleil, Lanuba, closed a couple of years ago at Disney Springs. The building is still there because you know Cirque is coming back. Well, they announced that the new Cirque show that they've been developing for Disney is completely based off of Disney animation. That's brilliant. I could not be more excited to see this because Lanuba was amazing. Yeah. No, and this is where I really like the the turn that we're taking with the parks is that everything is coming back to the movies, which is what the parks initially were for. It was, you know... And an enhancement of the movie where you got to go and interact with your favorite characters and ride on the rides. And, you know, I, I love that now everything is going to be grounded in the films. Without question, the biggest bomb, the biggest announcement of the entire weekend totally focused on Epcot. The surprise for me, I thought it was going to be that we were getting a new country. So did I. That was the huge rumor for a while. And in a way, I'm kind of disappointed because I was hoping it was Greece. But with what we're gaining, I can live without that for now. They're saying that the, the slogan or the catchphrase is the magic of possibility. It's a new look on the original concept Heavy guest influence on this. Yeah, you're starting, I like that a lot. You're starting to see more Disney characters. You're seeing more relevant properties. And it's sort of like a retro rebrand. They didn't change the name to Epcot Center, which I said I thought that they would do. I was kind of hoping we'd go back to Epcot Center. But it's the old font for Epcot. Yep. And it's the original Epcot logo. I think... We're going back to what Walt really wanted with this park. And, you know, it's funny until today, I didn't realize how far removed we've gotten from that. In fact, it was actually kind of funny because as we're watching this unveiling today, I never thought less of Epcot. But I'm sitting there watching this and I was like, man, they really let that park go. Did I not turn (laughs) to you and I'm like, wow. Epcot has an identity crisis, <laughs> and I never thought that until this afternoon. That's it. I mean, I've always, but I think that's one of the things that they address. I was a weird kid, and I always loved Epcot. But so if did you I. ask, no, I know you did, but if you ask around, a lot of people, like if they went between the ages of like five and 10, they found Epcot boring. And that was one of those things where Disney really paid attention to the fans because there's a lot more. And they've been doing it little by little. I mean, yes, with the Three Caballeros ride in Mexico, you had some incorporation of the characters. A thousand percent yes when you brought Frozen to Norway. Okay, fine. Um, But that was the big cry is that it's not necessarily in World Showcase enough for families. The front of the park, yes, great, but what it lost a lot of was that interactive experience. Like Mission Space is great. 
Test Track is wonderful. Soren is really cool. But like I remember going to Epcot when I was a kid and there were so many things to like play with and touch and it was so much more hands-on and that's what we've gotten away from because of video screens really is what it comes down to yeah um so i think we're gonna go back to that where it's more of an educational experience without realizing that you're learning something yeah it's edutainment exactly i think that the issue with epcot and like i liked it because it reminded me of when i would go there as a kid mm-hmm. But Epcot was starting to become a museum, which is sort of an oxymoron because tomorrow is in the title of the park. Right. Okay. Spoiler alert for those of you who don't know. First off, welcome to, oh, I don't know the world. But Epcot is an acronym for Experimental Prototype Prototype Community Community of of Tomorrow. Tomorrow. The whole point of Epcot was to talk about the future future advancements, future technology, the world of tomorrow. And Walt's whole thing, keep moving forward. Right. And for the longest time, Epcot has been everything but. It's been everything but. Um, They announced that um, it's it's getting a rebrand in that it's the power of wonder, discovering the power of the world, inspiring kids, which, yes was sort of the point of Epcot when it first opened, but they're being separated now into new worlds because you had Universe of Energy, you had... Each pavilion yeah, was The separate. Universe was of pavilions. Life. Yeah. All these pavilions. The Imagination Pavilion. But now what they're... The, and these pavilions the will land, still be there. The land, the seas. Yeah. The, these pavilions will still be there. However, now the rebrand is that they're getting separated into four different worlds. World Showcase is staying the same. You're getting the world of nature, the world of discovery, and the world of celebration. They're doing an updated entrance, and based on the artist renderings, it looks unbelievable. I'm going to miss the old entrance, but here's the thing. I'm going to miss it for nostalgia. Epcot hasn't looked like a futuristic world since the 80s. Yeah. And I think that was a good place to start addressing the changes. Spaceship Earth is still going to remain the icon. It's still Thank going to God. feature great moments. It's going to bring old scenes to life through storytelling. It's going to give you some new scenes as well. And I thought that it's interesting. I think there's still going to be a narration, but you're going to have a guide called the Story Light. And the story light is going to move you through these great moments in history. And this is part of that edutainment that we were talking about. I hope that the light is a visual because if J- if Dame Judi Dench does not narrate this thing, I'm going to be pissed. I don't but think she's going to. I think they're doing everything brand new. We'll then get Helen Mirren if we need a British lady. I... I like the fact that, you know, I said it before, is that what we're really reverting back to is the story, is the film. So I think this is really smart. Instead, you know, Walt was very into technological advancement, but I like the idea that you're really going back to the roots and following, because that's what got us here, is is storytelling. And, you know, before there was writing, stories were passed down. So I think that's crazy important to go back to the roots and especially for kids to see that play out here's the thing 
I want the Rome burning smell. I don't want that to go away. It better not. And I want because pirates doesn't smell anymore. It smells like the water. It doesn't smell like fire anymore. And I want Morgan Freeman. Give me Morgan Freeman. <sighs> Dick Van Dyke. <sighs> mm. I hate to say it. I think he's too old. <gasps> you bite your tongue. He's a treasure. He is, but I don't know that I could listen he to him. He tap danced on a desk. But I don't think a lot of people want to listen to him speak on a ride for 15 minutes. That's the difference. No, and let's be honest. I'd listen to Morgan Freeman read a phone book. Yep. Speaking of Walt, you brought him up before. We're getting oh a my new, God. We're getting a new Walt statue. This, this is the first time I cried. See, no, and this is where I really love that the Imagineers listened because, you know, this was what Walt never got to see. This was his Florida project, and he was so invested in Epcot, and he never got to see it come to fruition. So I love that we're getting a representation of him. I, I love the look of the statue. You know, it's... It's got that 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 partner's feel of like wonder and awe. I think it actually, I think it looks better than the partner statue. I love the partner statue. I have a soft spot for that for so many reasons. But in terms of looking like a real human being. Oh, I can't wait for the photo op. I just want to go sit next to him. Absolutely. We're getting a new pavilion strictly for festivals. It's going to be a three-tiered pavilion with the top having the best view of the nighttime spectacular, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But I think it's really smart that they're doing this because Epcot has become the festival park. Right. They have basically a festival going almost all year. Between Festival of the Arts, Flower and Garden, and Food and Wine, you've got something going on all the time. And what they've been using for a while is the old Wonders of Life pavilion to house these... Festivals. At least it's sort of the it's sort of the HQ for the festivals. You get your sure. paperwork, your merchandise, et cetera, so forth. To have its own building, I think is brilliant. Here's the thing. Because it also then opens up the Wonders of Life pavilion to be used for something else, and it will be, and we're gonna talk about that in a minute as well. I I just hope though that food and wine, I love that. It's more than just the countries that are already represented in Epcot. And I hope that they keep it that way where you still go around and you still uh, get your passport stamped. I hope they don't bring everything to that pavilion. I don't think they could. I don't think they could fit everything there. No, they're not going to do that. But what I like that it's doing, and I think this is part of what they're trying to address, is not just incorporating the characters in and making it. I, I think this lends itself to the family-friendly aspect beyond just incorporating more familiar characters is that we've said it a couple of times on the show, you know, and this has nothing to do with childless millennials going to Disney. I don't agree with that at all. Disney's for everybody. However, Epcot has become the drinking park. And last time we were there, I remember we always go November. It's Veterans Day weekend. People take the three-day weekend. They come for the last weekend of, of wine and food. And I remember it was way too crowded, and I had never seen this in a Disney park before. It almost seemed like they couldn't keep up. There were full garbage cans. There were, there were areas of Epcot that were trashed, and that was really disappointing to see. Um, and 
I'm hoping that this is part of addressing that and making it family friendly again. Like, look, I'll be the first one who wants to go drink around the world. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be a killjoy here. But I think that the Epcot frat party needs to stop. And I think that this is part of addressing that if they keep everything. And, you know, it might also help the locals out, too, if that pavilion is towards the front of the park. You can just get in, do your festival thing and get back out. You don't have to go all the way around necessarily. Right. World Discovery is going to be centered by the Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster, which we got a name drop for. Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. I've heard rumors that the storyline is that Peter Quill visited the original Epcot Center back in the 80s, and he's on the Milano, and he comes back to Earth and visits Epcot to see what it has become. And I like the fact that now they're doing this. It seems like it's it's a retro rewind everywhere. Mm. So I like the fact that they're tying this new attraction into the rebrand of the park. It's, it's almost calling it out. Yeah. It's going to be a reverse launch into space. It's a reverse launch roller coaster. If you thought the launch for Aerosmith's Rock and Roller Coaster was scary, you're going to do the same thing, but backwards. I am so excited. You're making a really hard sell to get me on this one. Don't care. I'm going. If we're talking about retro Epcot, though... We know that Star-Lord isn't his music. They better have veggie fruit fruit as part of this ride. So I'm interested to see how much of it is going to be a mix of classic rock tunes like you get at Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout and how much of it will be retro Epcot music. Repcot? Repcot, sure. I think they'll have a mix of both. Here's what I like about the ride, and this is one of the things... You know, like I had talked about having my issues with Bob Iger. When I first heard about the Guardians ride, I thought it was severely misplaced. And I was like, you're just trying to get this IP in the park any way you can. Like, you know, Mission Breakout is so cool. And I was like, why wouldn't you just do that? Or why wouldn't you put, why wouldn't you rebrand Rock and Roller Coaster? Because there have been rumors for a long time that they want to, you know, after all of this Michael Jackson stuff happened. They wanted to start removing the celebrities from the parks. So I thought for sure Rock and Roller Coaster was, you know, an easy fit for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and I didn't think it fit at, at Epcot at all. But um, now that I see where they're going with Epcot and what they're doing with each pavilions, I actually think this is a great fit for it. Because it is supposed to be, like, even when you go in the queue, it's supposed to have more of that learning experience about space exploration. So it's really going to be kind of almost how Mission Breakout is themed, where it's like the ride that you know and the characters influence it. Right. They then discussed the restaurant, the space-themed restaurant that is going out there. Supposedly, you're going to take um, an elevator to the space station, a space station, a space station that is 220 miles above the Earth. So the restaurant is appropriately named Space 220. 
We'll check it out eventually. It seems like it's going to be a higher-end dining experience. Mm. I'm interested to see how it looks. It's it's going to be basically wall-to-wall screens to give you the illusion that you were at a space station. I think it's smart, though, because over at the seas, you have the Coral Reef restaurant. So yeah. I think, and then the land, you do have the restaurant there as well. You have the, what is it, the Garden Grill? Yes. But it's all of the food that is grown right there. So I think this is kind of a, a good full circle thing to incorporate. You talked about um, Rock and Roller Coaster a few minutes ago. Now, Steven Tyler showed up at MGM a couple of weeks ago and went on the coaster and he hadn't been there in a long time which I'm led to a lot of allowed back in which led to a lot of internet rumors that he was going on one more ride before they shut down and Ooh. rebrand but we never got an announcement about that so safe to say that at least for now rock and roller coaster is not facing a rebrand the big surprise in my opinion especially given the fact that so much is happening at Epcot, and this was very Epcot-centric in terms of the whole parks announcement, you want to talk about something that isn't getting a rebrand, Journey into Imagination, not mentioned. Yeah, they mentioned Figment, but not even in the context of what they're going to do with him. And see, that's where this got interesting to me, because a lot of the rebranding, I feel like they're definitely trying to make Epcot more of an arts and culture park obviously culture is heavy at world showcase but even like some of the new uh exhibits which we're going to talk about the new pavilion um you know in the in the cityscape one of the things you can do is is fashion design uh with edna mode so i feel like that's going to be you know, they are trying to make it more focused on the arts, and I'm surprised that they didn't use Figment to try and tie all that together. Wonders of Life is getting a redo. It's going to be the Play Pavilion. That's it. I couldn't it's think that, of which it, one it's it was. that yeah, city-looking yeah. thing that has games, activities, characters. It's they released have... that a while ago. And the, we couldn't uh... figure out where it was going. Yeah. And that's where it's going. Edna Mode, as you said, is getting her attraction. Huey, Dewey, and Louie are getting a water balloon fight attraction. Then you're going to have World Nature. Um, there's going to be the Awesome Planet is the name of the film that they're going to show in the land over by where that Lion King film used to be. And it's not Rafiki's Planet Watch because that's over at Animal Kingdom, but it was that other, I think, Circle of Life. Yeah. is what it was called. It was like hosted by Timon and Pumbaa and that went away. I believe that's where this is going. Journey of Water is something that was announced early on at the expo. Moana influenced showing you the magic of water. Like her friend the ocean. What I like about this is that it's not a ride in traditional terms. It's an explore. Uh, it's an exploration trail. So it is a walking attraction. So you can do it at your own pace. It looks crazy, though. Yeah, it looks awesome. World Showcase. You're getting new Circle Vision films in China and Canada, um, France. You're getting a Beauty and the Beast sing along film as well as the Ratatouille ride. Very smart on the Beauty and the Beast front. I mean, obviously, we do have Be Our Guest already, but I think that's one of those things that, you know, you have 
like I said before, in Mexico, you have the three caballeros. Then you have Frozen in Norway. You, when you think about, you know, you're going counterclockwise around the rest of the parks, you don't have a lot of characters. So that's a good stopping point to give the kids something. Or if you start on the Canada side, all right, you're right there. And then Dick Van Dyke broke the internet. Literally. Literally. The stream cut out at that point. All we of them so did. Upset. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure how much of the stream cutting out was because... I mean, don't get me wrong. I think people overloaded the streams. But all of them went down. Call me a conspiracy theorist. Mm. But I'm wondering if Disney hijacked the Wi-Fi system. It just did something so that D23 could have the exclusive first look. I'm wondering if they hijacked the signal somehow. For all of them to go down at once, at literally the exact same time, and to all come back at the exact same time? Mm. A little suspicious, but nonetheless. Regardless, amazing. Mary Poppins is getting an attraction in the UK. Cherry Tree Lane is coming. The adventure starts at 17 Cherry Tree Lane. You'll walk through the door into the attraction. That's when the feed cut out. They didn't tell us an awful lot about what the attraction is going to be. What I'm curious to see is how much of it is going to be based off of, and we just discussed this a couple of weeks ago with John Sicari from BigFatPanda.com, how much of old Mary Poppins is going to be incorporated and how much new Mary Poppins will be incorporated. Well... They did say, can you imagine that? So I'm wondering if that was supposed to be the hint. Like, I'd totally be on board with that, hop in a bathtub and float down, you know, down the drain or however they're going to do it. I'd be cool with a water ride. I think that would be awesome. Julie Andrews didn't show up again. I'm I'm wondering, like, I just wish she would have been there. I mean, I love that Dick Van Dyke was there, but I really would have liked to have seen Mary Poppins herself. Yeah, but then what do you do with Emily Blunt, who's already there for Jungle Cruise? Very true. You know, that's not really fair to her. But I would have been happy to see her come out with Dick Van Dyke. We know that Illuminations is going away. That's not breaking news. Epcot Forever has been confirmed, as well as Harmonious, which is going to be the largest nighttime show in parks history. It's going to follow Epcot Forever. And they tapped into Pinar Taprek, Forgive me if I butchered her last name. She's writing the new Epcot anthem, and they performed it, for a lack of a better term, they performed it. It was a chorus that went, oh, behind a musical track. But number one, it sounds beautiful, but it fits Epcot Center. It's, 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 it's new, but it seems old. Exactly, yeah. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't feel that far removed from Reflections. Right. But I, I'm really looking forward to it. Then they announced Disney 50, the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. They didn't give us an awful lot. And I think that that was sort of strategic because I think if they give it all to us right now, your, I, the Disney fanatics, it's going to be on their radar for the next two years. But your casual person that's taking their two and a half children on a Disney vacation, they're not tuning into the D23 Expo. So you need 
a big marketing pitch for the year that this actually happens. And I think that's kind of why they held back. Also, you just gave us a lot of information. Just an Epcot. Give me a sec to digest. So every park is going to receive the Disney 50 treatment. They unveiled the logo, which I think looks really cool. Yeah. Um, each park is getting limited run food, beverages, merchandise, and performances. That'll be cool. Which I'm excited about. They're launching the Disney Genie, which is an app that's going to have customized itineraries that cut down the prep time based on your preferences. If you want a, a princess-centric vacation, you can enter that, and it'll literally draw up an itinerary for you with times broken down where you need to be and when you need to be there so that it caters your trip better and it sends real-time tips and updates to your phone what i like about this is there are a lot of people right now that do not find disney to be approachable because they get easily overwhelmed Mm. when they've never gone before they don't do a lot of research people think let's call it what it is they think going to disney world is like going to six flags or like going to universal studios just disney where you can just show up and go on rides and not have to plan a lot. But Disney is so unique. It's, it's, it's literally its own world. Yeah. I think that this app is genius. And I think that making it more approachable is going to lead to more people having a better time. I mean, you read the reviews working for a Disney travel concierge. You have not personally gotten these reviews, but you read these reviews all the time of people that talk about, I had a miserable time because it was too busy. I had to wait online, and I couldn't, get a, I couldn't go to a restaurant because they didn't know about FastPass, because they didn't know about dining reservations. I think this takes a lot of the headaches out of going on these vacations. I think, um, first of all, I love the name. I think the genie is brilliant. I think that's... Um, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I I think it's almost a tribute to Robin Williams so that especially with the new live action remake of Aladdin that, you know, I just think it's it's fitting so that his memory will always live on in Disney. Um, At first, I was kind of skeptical about it because I thought it was just like any other social media thing that is just like everything has to be so curated now. And... I, I don't like that, honestly. But I think for something like Disney, where there is just so much to do now, I mean, we're very fortunate where you and I can take two weeks of vacation and go and get two days in each park. You know, we don't have kids. So that's part of why we get to go for so long because we can afford to stay for that long. If we had kids... Forget it. Yeah, maybe a day in each park, if that. So I think for families that are going, it's smart because if you can only be there for a week, I I don't think that you can hit everything up at this point. There's just too much. So this will get you exactly where you want to go. And so will I. So if you're thinking about planning a vacation next year, um, I would definitely get on it sooner rather than later because with all of these changes, uh, you know, Things are going to start filling up fast. Um, So you can get in touch with me on our social media. Um, 
or directly. My email is j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. Um, I do work for Magical Vacation Planner, which is a concierge service. We're authorized by Disney, and we help with booking. And we try to take all the headaches out of it and help you navigate the booking process, the planning process. Um, Sean and I have eaten at more restaurants than we should probably admit to on property. So we're happy to help make some dining recommendations as well. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much going on. I really, you know, I'm not just saying this working for a company. Disney's going to fill up fast next year. They're looking at a late 2020 launch date for this app, which is smart. It'll be ready to go for Disney 50. And D23 is also running a contest where you can like win your chance to be part of the like test program for Disney Genie. They also announced new hotels, uh, Reflections being one. They're going to have a Princess and the Frog restaurant on the bayou. I know for years people have been begging specifically for a Princess and the Frog restaurant, I'm excited that they finally are doing it. Well, because in Disneyland you have Ralph Brennan's, but otherwise, I mean, like I've been to New Orleans and my favorite thing about it was the food. You know, I mean, you have Port Orleans and you have the Princess and the Frog themed rooms, but there's not that cuisine. And it's it's something that's so unique to the area. Uh, So I'm excited for that. And the hotel just looks insanely cool. And... It's on Discovery Island. Like, they're finally doing something with the property. I'm stoked about that. And I think that Princess and the Frog is a movie that is underrepresented in the parks. Totally. So I'm happy to see that it's going to be a little bit more visible. Of course, the big hotel that they talked about was Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Two-night stays only two-night stories. You take a launch pad to the Star Cruiser Halcyon. Um, The atrium is filled with characters, and for two days, you go on these adventures. You have a lightsaber training versus a training remote. You can operate the ship. The ship's going to be attacked, and you're going to have to defend the ship using what you learned. There are hidden rooms and meetings with characters. This is going to be the most immersive experience that Disney has ever offered. File this under my Iger issues. I think I I get what they're doing with the two nights. I do. I think that's probably the fair thing for everybody so that everyone gets to experience it. However, if you're staying for a week and you have to move hotels halfway through, that's annoying. I will admit it is inconvenient, and certainly they didn't announce the price, but I'm I'm hearing that this is going to be in the same price range as a Grand Floridian, a Tempo. Yeah, one of the monorail resorts. Absolutely. Five, six, seven hundred dollars a night. But A, I don't know how much of a story you can tell past two days without it getting boring. The other thing is, True. I think it's just going to be so in demand, even at the cost, that if you if you allowed people to stay longer than two days, I don't think that you could possibly facilitate the amount of demand that this resort is going to have. Well, the other thing, too, on the flip side, is that it caters just to Star Wars fans. If you don't like Disney, first of all, why? But 
if you're just a Star Wars fan and you want nothing else to do with Disney, you could come stay for two days and just do that in Galaxy's Edge. And that'll probably just, you know, quench your thirst and then you don't have to deal with any of the other stuff. And then Disney Cruise Line, they sort of wrapped up the whole day. They have acquired a new island, Lighthouse Point. It's going to be a new destination. Eleuthera is the island that it is on. I believe Eleuthera is the island and that this is a section on the island. Joe Rohde came out and he explained how it's going to be a seaside adventure camp based on conservation, and it's going to be very authentic, a la Alani. I'm not going to lie. When they brought him out, I really thought Disney was taking over the Fire Festival property. Could you imagine Disney's Fire Festival? A theme park <laughs> where everything that can go wrong goes wrong. That's, that's the joke. It's an immersive experience. Yes. They also announced that they have a new ship coming. The Disney Wish. Love that. It's going to be completed in 2021 and will set sail starting in January of 2022. And when they announced the name, I said, please make this a Make-A-Wish yeah. ship. No sooner do I say that, do they bring out one of the heads. I think it was the head, actually, of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. They talked about how Disney has been such a huge part of, make- of Make-A-Wish. They were the first wish ever granted out in California. And they've done, what is it, upwards of 130,000 wishes. wishes granted? So it's amazing. They didn't say what capacity Make-A-Wish is going to play in regards to this ship. What I would like to see, I want it to be a one-for-one ship. Sure. For every room booked, a room gets donated. Absolutely. That's what I hope. But we're going to have to wait and see. We're still a few years away. But those were the highlights. That was this year's D23 Expo. Let me ask you, of all the things that they discussed... I'm not going to make you narrow it down to one because that's... I don't think it's possible. Three. The, yeah, I was going to okay. say, give me your three. Okay, thank God. Um, Jeff Goldblum. I'm I'm not even kidding. He's at the very top of the list. Uh, first look at Cruella, and probably the Walt statue at Epcot. I think at the top of my list, and maybe this is a sacrilege because we are not a parks podcast per se, but the entire rebrand of Epcot. Yeah. I've always called it Epcot Center. I've never bought any merchandise from Epcot that had a new logo on it. Everything I have bought from Epcot, the hats I own, a couple of my shirts, my hoodie, I bought it all because it had Epcot Center written on it in the original font with the original logo. We have the coffee mugs. And one time he lost a hat going through airport security. Oh, my God. He was devastated. I might as well have been a six-year-old. You were. I tried for months. On no, the phone we have with the a airline. friend who's a cast member too, and we were trying to get him to buy a replacement hat, and they didn't have any more. It was yeah. It. I wore Sean the hat was devastated. Once. I was I was heartbroken over a hat, and the worst thing is I know where I lost it. I lost it in the X-ray machine. Oh, for sure. That's where I lost it. For sure. I had it in a Disney Parks bag, the blue bag, where. You have 5,000 of them, but you never get rid of them. I had it sitting at the top of that bag. The bag was already overfilled, and I think when it went into the machine, it got caught and it never came out. And we didn't realize at the time. Because because we were running for the plane because we didn't want to get on the Magical Express. 
surprise, surprise. With the magically depressed, as we call it, at the yep. tail end of the trip. So I love the fact that that's coming back. I think the park needed it, and it reminds me of being a kid going to Epcot. That one's at the top of my list. And you know what? I said Noel is the is the movie I'm looking forward to the most of all the movies because <laughs> I love cheesy Christmas movies. I just do. And I said it before, I finally get Anna Kendrick in a movie for Disney, but I also think it's a good cast. I'm looking forward to that one. Although I'm cautiously optimistic because as much as I'm looking forward to it, it also has the potential to be the most disappointing one. <laughs> um, and The Mandalorian. I was yeah, I so figured. looking forward to The Mandalorian to finally get some footage. I, I didn't think I could be more excited, but I got more excited. Honorable mention to Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I snuck another one in there. But we want to know what you guys have to say. What are you looking forward to the most? What was the most exciting thing to you announced this year, this weekend at the D23 Expo? You can let us know online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Monoreal Radio. Thank you so much to all of you for joining us for this bonus content. There was just no way we weren't going to talk about D23. Especially because Disney Plus is, is you know, the news of the year. I mean, obviously now it's being overshadowed by the rebranding of Epcot, but Disney Plus is just this unprecedented thing. Up, so Up until the Sunday panels, I said that the entire expo was so Disney Plus centric that nothing was going to top it. Without it even did. thinking about the parks. And it did. And it did. But, I mean, this is a huge year for us because, you know, we're a movie podcast. We're all about the Disney films. So we're going to have a lot more content to talk about. Yeah. Thank you again so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun, and we can't wait to see what else comes, not just in the parks, but on Disney+. Plus. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of. <laughs>